what do you think about Apple playing God in that sense? You know, like we decide, mm. and and apps are supposed to be this. And I know Steve Jobs was against having the app store to begin with. Right. And it was supposed to be this, you know, free community to build for Apple, right? Um, yeah, what do you think about that? Well, what I think probably comes down to a couple different ways of thinking about what the app store is and what purpose it serves mm -hmm. and what type of rules we want to apply to um institutions or platforms that become institutions um, in our mm -hmm. digital lives and digital experiences, right? The app store and the iPhone have become so popular because of the way in which it did keep people safe relative to the way that let's say PCs historically were riddled with adware, spamware, malware, all sorts of horrible experiences. You know, it was not uncommon, you know, pre-iPhone for people to have PCs and for them to become so slow because there was all this junk you know, mm -hmm. slowing down their computer and basically exploiting them. And so, uh, you know, Steve Jobs was like, we're not going to have that happen on our phone. Not only does it like, you know, eat up battery life and battery life is such a precious commodity when you're on a mobile device, but it's going to overall impact our brand because people won't be able to tell the difference between what is Apple provided and what is coming from a third-party developer. And a third-party developer doesn't really care that much about Apple customers, mm -hmm. just like we were talking about before. They care about you know, getting their own and using Apple as their distribution channel. So I think I come down on both sides of it. Like if I were, you know, if I had built the app store, like I'd be very proud of it and I would want to protect it. You know, I'd want to like maintain the integrity of this thing mm -hmm. because, oh my God, how many things in the world are so relatively safe and free of you know, kind of exploitation and abuse, right? Mm -hmm. um, like certainly I, I couldn't say that about the, the Chrome extension store or about the Play Store. Um, I, I've never been in the Amazon app store, but I imagine it's probably full of stuff that's, you know, half-baked and maybe not, mm -hmm. not that great, or, or maybe there's good stuff, I don't know. Um, but Apple's discipline and willingness to take the hit on evaluating every single app that gets onto the phone has led to overall a much healthier ecosystem long-term. So the fact that they're playing God um, in that sense, well, one, they, they built it. So they're not God-like in that way. They actually did the work. Mm -hmm. And second, um, they get to set the rules because they built the store. Now we can have a conversation about what it means for there to be digital monopolies that are almost natural monopolies as a result of just the massive adoption of digital technology and how or if the consumers or users of that infrastructure of that institution of the app store should have a say in the rules and whether those rules make sense. But the thing that I think we need to also take it like to consider is this tension between rules that are made, let's say by governments. And if those governments are elected by democratic institutions, i.e. voting, um, then that legal system is the way in which you can change the rulemaking for something like the app store. The tension is that it takes a long time to get those rules and laws written. And so we're used to things moving much, much faster, which mm -hmm. actually requires a, a, a deity powered kind of central authority to make those decisions. And yet, at least in the West, when we look to places like China, which have more authoritarian rule, we culturally reject that type of system. So given all the things that we're optimizing for, if this makes sense, um, I'm trying to figure out a better way that the app store could sort of do what it does, keep people safe, maintain its integrity, and yet also allow for a kind of free-for-all like the web provides um, without losing the safety protections that it ostensibly offers.
So this is a very interesting conversation. I know you had that conversation a couple of days ago on Twitter Spaces, but hmm. do you think tech giants are going to be the new standard for, first of all, new laws, new privacy laws and tech laws coming up, um, but also them becoming in themselves the institutions that create those laws um, and the standards for 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 the industry because they're the ones seeing the the user cases, they're seeing millions and millions of user cases. And it's impossible, almost impossible for government to be able to evaluate that, not just government, but excuse my language, older older people or older generations who are used to very different set of standards, very different set of technologies, very different ways of life, right? And they're trying to almost duplicate their way of life in the mm. legal system versus the actual tech institutions who have seen those user cases and have a better understanding of protecting them. There's a lot that I would love to unpack in what you just said, um, and I will I will attempt to do that uh, as well as answer your question. You know, the the first set of thoughts I had were around the fact that these are multinationals, and so their constituents are actually people from all over the world. And so mm -hmm. when they're building these platforms and they're operating these businesses in various places, again they have to adhere to the local laws, which means that they have to build versions of their software that are customized to the environments in which they're used. And so one of the things that's probably confusing, but is worth considering as a thought experiment is if you, let's say, sign up for Twitter in the US and then you go to a place, you know, like, you know, or, or, or and then there's someone who's a user who signed up in Japan or signed up in Brazil or signed up in China or someplace like that, the set of features and the disclosures that are in the other person's app are going to be different. And so you may think that you're both using Twitter, but actually the rules that shape the way that you engage in the product could actually be quite different. So it's not mm -hmm. like sufficient to only think about, let's say the US government writing laws that affect these big tech giants and presuming that those laws are relevant or will be relevant all around the world. Certainly mm -hmm. the, the norms that exist in the US probably affect most app makers uh, in terms of where they start from, in terms of the defaults. And well, certainly a lot of US tech companies will apply more of like a, a free speech approach, but free speech is not guaranteed around the world. Mm -hmm. So there are other places in which, and we're seeing this tension now, and we're seeing, you know, Twitter just left Nigeria for this reason. And it's, you know, struggling and being confronted in many other places because other governments don't have the same, you know, constitution. They don't have the same base set of laws, you know, in other places like religion and the state are actually commingled. And so these platforms are therefore almost um, recruited to do more uh, propagandizing of certain information. And that's actually quite normal in those cultures. So it's really, really hard to piece apart or, 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 or perhaps maybe it's, maybe it's essential to think about both American like hegemony and also the imperative that we believe that American rules should sort of apply everywhere else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And everything else is the exception. Yeah. Um, so I would say that. And the reason why I start there is because to your second part of the question, two things, and I'd love to actually get your perspective on this. Mm -hmm. You know, one is that those older folks, maybe, you know, they're not hip with like all the things that are like going on today, <laughs> but that actually might be their intention. They, mm -hmm. because one, their power exists with um, the way things you know were, or with a certain assumption about what their power should mean, then they mm -hmm. want to be able to control the means of disseminating information because that is actually how they maintain their power. So it's actually mm -hmm. like, it may seem like, oh, they don't get it, but in fact, they very much do. 
and they see the risk and they see the threat and they want to neutralize it before it does disrupt their ability to maintain control. So it's a little more savvy than I think we might give them credit for. They may not understand it, but they understand power. And that's the difference. Mm-hmm. So then my question to you would be, how do you think power should be distributed and who should have power? And what does it mean to have power in you know, the internet economy? And how does Gen Z think about offering power and access to power to the users of its apps, products, and services? 